authors, I'm Joanne Morell, children's and young adult fiction writer and author of short nonfiction for authors. Thanks for joining me for the Hybrid Author Podcast, sharing interviews from industry professionals to help you forge a career as a hybrid author, both independently and traditionally publishing your books. You can get the show notes for each episode and sign up for your free author pass over at the Hybrid Author website to discover your writing process, get tips on how to publish productively, and get comfortable promoting your books at www.hybridauthor.com.au. Let's crack on with the episode. Authors, I hope you're all keeping well in whatever part of the world you reside and listen to the podcast in. Today's interview is with children's fiction and scriptwriter Catherine Lefroy. And I chat to Catherine about the process after you've written a screenplay, networking with the right people, not to be missed events in the film industry, screenwriting etiquette, living in Australia and working in LA, pitching streaming services, Catherine's work, and much more. So on my author adventure this week, I have been, if you've seen on social media, I've been super excited to use my square reader. So the little square reader that I bought to, to take direct sales, I went up to a local library and a librarian had a credit card, which she purchased my books with. And uh, yeah, it wasn't that hard to set the thing up. It configured pretty quickly with my phone. And I felt a bit nervous going up there thinking, oh gosh, you know, I just said, oh, you're the, you're the guinea pig with this new machine. Went through pretty swiftly and I was able to send her a receipt and you can customize all the items and amounts and things like that in there. So it's pretty seamless for a business. And it's quite exciting that we have this technology available to us. And regardless of, you know, whether you're the publisher of your own work I'm sure as an author you've got your own author copies I I highly recommend having it as part of you know your writing and author business so yeah that was surreal was keen to note that how much I actually got charged for the transaction and it was about 80 cents which seems like a lot I guess but yeah in hindsight it's not too bad either and do you know what I don't mind paying 80 cents off a purchase for the swiftness as well it's like you know for the for the convenience for the the fastness the speediness of it all is great so I have to now see whether my bank account is sort of set up so I'm recording this um if you can hear there's sirens in the background I'm recording this in my car again but I'm actually at town about 10-15 minutes from where I reside at the moment because I've got an appointment that I'm about to head into before sort of editing this and uh uploading the podcast um just so you can hear the the background noise nice sunny day here in Perth very very lovely so a bit more deep thought on last week I was talking about my author adventure I was talking about obviously getting back into writing at the library book week kicked off this week as well so my work at the library was was kind of interrupted by kids coming in from schools into the local libraries to get author talks and I happened to know the the author that was at my local library shout out Kitty Black so I, I got it was a real treat to actually watch her in action give her author talk 
talk to the kids and just to see what she, you know what tactics she used and what she'd done and it was so funny and informative and she was just fantastic so even though my writing kind of got stalled um it was lovely to see her work her magic as well but yeah back to last week's author adventure when I was talking about me working on my women's fiction and kind of I've got a really bad habit of rereading certain paragraphs and sentences going over them before moving on to the next line to make and this is more like a perfectionism thing to make sure it flows the writing's tight but as I said I'm not quite there in my manuscript that's not really what I should be doing at this point so spending a lot of time felt like a procrastination I think later on that day it came to someone had brought procrastination was came up in a conversation and someone brought it to my attention that procrastination is just another fear as authors are we procrastinating because underneath we have we have some underlying fear which we're not actually aware of about our work you know what happens if we get to the end of our work why are we not letting ourselves get to the end of our work by procrastinating what do we think is going to happen what are we scared of what's going to happen being judged is probably one that comes to mind but for yourself you know if you find yourself doing that procrastination act at all in your writing this next week or whenever I challenge you to sort of stop and recognize it and wonder why are you doing it (laughs) why you holding yourself back is it you know do you have a confidence fear are you worried about how your life's going to change after writing a book or if it's not uh are you just simply lacking the motivation to get the work done are you feeling like a fraud you know wondering self-doubt wondering if you you know you're ever going to make it as an author that type of thing so in fitting with this in mind my non-fiction book author fears and how to overcome them has a lot of fears that presents that i have actually dealt with through authorship that came up that I wasn't really aware of but you can only because I'd never written a book before I'd never you know done this sort of type of work so yeah like these things arise and you don't actually recognize them but when you do you can recognize them for what they are and you know set to work about quieting and soothing those fears within yourself so one of them is being judged by others that used to be a massive fear of mine and in some way it still is but it feels a little bit less because I know what I want. I know what I want as a career and I can't let the the thoughts of others get in the way. So author fear being judged by others. Judged to form means to form a judgment or opinion on someone. So in the book I've written, you might overcome this fear, uh, which there's another couple of sections in the book that I briefly touch upon about, you know, people will laugh at me and looking stupid. So I, I mentioned those as well. But unfortunately, in this business, being judged is unavoidable in any creative outlet for that matter. Your work is created and perceived by the public. People who engage with it will they are going to form an opinion. These judgments can be good or bad or both. Recently, I was watching the women's football, the Matildas, and I got quite into it. I haven't really uh, watched it before. And, you know, I caught myself... The, the things I was sort of shouting at the TV or, or saying about these girls who are bloody trying their heart out. So easy for us to, at home to be sitting on our bum and judging them. Come on, you know, pick your game up. She's not doing her best. To judge them from afar, you're always going to have an opinion and opinions as I said can be both good and bad but you within yourself need to be fine with that and just recognize that others will have an opinion that doesn't necessarily mean their their opinion is gospel if it isn't something that you agree with or whatnot you have the way you feel about something and other people have the way they feel too there was an example that I had put in my author fears on how to overcome them 
book on the being judged section about a conversation that was had on Twitter. Uh, it was a well-known young adult author and they'd received a review of their novel from an adult who who dubbed their book too juvenile. And this annoyed the author as the book is for a young audience. So they were concerned that, uh, you know, this review might deter younger readers from wanting to read the book as an adult had dubbed it juvenile. So, you know, around young adult age, you want to be grown up. You want to be seen as is probably older than you are. Well, some some kids do anyway. So having an adult review it and say it's sort of, you know, babyish might be off-putting. So, you know, sometimes you will be judged unfairly, your work, your books, and not necessarily by the, your target audience, you know, the right people. But if you go into this business knowing and expecting to be judged and embracing the judgments, work through them and move on and write some more. Everyone has their own opinion. Everyone has different tastes and keep writing. The other fear that coincides with being judged is looking stupid. You know, it's 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 just another sort of fear, like uh, looking stupid, foolish, being silly or stupid. I used to feel like I was going to be anxious. Or, you know, I often become anxious around thinking I'm going to make a fool of myself in front of people. Again, this is something I'm less concerned of these days because confidence has kind of out overcome this but I, and I think though if you if I did make myself look silly I'd just laugh it off or make a joke about it you know maybe be embarrassed later I always remind myself when I do workshops or speak I trust the attendees are intelligent and non-judgmental people who understand how difficult it is to stand up in front of a bunch of people and talk let alone teach some people so I, I think about how I feel when I watch someone present and if I spot they're nervous I feel complete compassion towards them most importantly, I don't judge them for it. People are understanding. I know my enthusiasm for what I'm speaking about or teaching outweighs any worries of looking stupid. And I think it's all about just being prepared. And if, if you're organized with your session, talking about standing up in front of people, if you feel like you're going to be foolish, you're going to conduct the, your practice run through and you'll feel confident about how the workshop will progress and being prepared for mishaps such as technology faults will all help extinguish feelings like you you are going to look stupid. And then I say, what the hell is looking stupid anyway? Is it mumbling or is it forgetting what you're going to say? Have items in place like prompt cards. It's okay to use aids when you're first starting out. In fact, I encourage them. Whatever's going to help make you a better, more confident speaker and at ease. I say, remember, do what you've got to do to quiet your mind and build confidence in the beginning. The better you become, the fewer aids you will need as you go on. That age old saying, practice makes perfect, is exactly how to overcome these author fears that may arise within. So the other one is the last one that I'm going to just read out is people will laugh at me. Author fear, people will laugh at me and mock means to attack with ridicule and you can overcome this as an author. Sometimes you might find you are present, invited to present. During my studies at university as part of a presentations unit I was undertaking about speaking publicly, I had to stand up and talk about an idea. I spoke about the book I'd published in my first year of study. I was so nervous. I remember feeling feeling really nervous about how I would how what people would think of me and you know I was worried you know and 
what people would think of me in the self-published book I held in my hands, but I did it anyway. I respectfully remember the response and hold it in my mind to revisit any time this fear rears its ugly head. People were genuinely interested and a few students even made a point of coming up to me afterwards, telling me they were writers too, which was amazing. You know, so rather than sort of backlash that I was expecting, there was actually uh, the opposite. It was more of an excitement inspiring atmosphere that proceeded from me getting up and sharing myself and my work. So not only did people not laugh at me they connected with me you have to put yourself out there to face your fear and make the realization fear is nothing more than false evidence appearing real if you've ever heard of that term before it's in your head so when it comes to when you're doing your writing and if you notice you're procrastinating there is a big long list of procrastination techniques out there these could look like you know playing with your phone getting up and going to the toilet making yourself another cup of tea letting the out oh going to do the dishes all you know even my procrastination which is rereading over your work all these things can be because of an underlying fear which you are concerned about so always i encourage to be aware of your processes write out any fears that you have also with procrastinating if you notice you're doing this why are you doing this try and get to the bottom of it so you can see it for what it is and in the long run it's going to save you time oh i'm starting to do that again because sometimes it can be a habit i'm not going to do that because i'll spend the whole of my writing session doing that and i'll have not gotten ahead then you can nip that in the bud and just keep going how i've tackled my procrastination uh, of rereading over is i've moved i actually forced myself you know i felt myself force myself i've moved that paragraph up so i on the screen so i can't see it anymore and then just not done it <laughs> not gone back to do it So if you love the podcast or any of the episodes has helped you further in your author career, you can now pay it forward by buying me a coffee over at buymeacoffee.com slash the hybrid author. Let's all support each other. Catherine Lefroy writes screenplays for film and TV, novels and articles about technology for some of the world's top brands. Her family feature film, Whale Shark Jack, is shooting on location in Exmouth later this year. She's currently developing a number of other film and TV projects with production companies across the USA, UK, Australia and India. Her debut novel, Alex and the Alpacas Saved the World, was shortlisted for the prestigious Premier's Literary Award and the sequel was released in 2022 to critical acclaim. She has a first-class honours degree in art history, a PhD in business, and is a graduate of the UCLA Theatre, Film and Television's professional screenwriting programme. She not-so-secretly wishes she lived in a dance movie. Don't we all, Catherine? Welcome to the we, Hybrid well, Podcast. Thank you. And I think if you don't wish, in a da- don't wish you lived in a dance movie, you're probably doing something wrong with your life, to be honest. I, I had to laugh when I when I read that I was like yes yes we do (laughs) well can you tell us how you got into the screenwriting gig and then become a children's author sure so the children's author well no actually I was going to say the children's author bit came first but to be honest I was kind of dabbling in both of them simultaneously but with both of them I just started doing it so I just basically sat my butt down and started to write <laughs> so when I when I first started writing both screen and and books I hadn't had any sort of like formal training or anything like I just thought 
this is something I would like to do and did it. And it was kind of the best way of doing it, I think, because I didn't know what I didn't know. So, you know, sometimes when when you're confronted with all this stuff, you don't know about something and it becomes too overwhelming and you're like, I don't know how to do that, so I can't do it. So I just started doing it. I was like, this is great. I'm having so much fun. This is amazing. And then, of course, you know, I wrote like the first draft of a book or the first draft of a screenplay. And then I was like, this is cool. Great. I've done that. And then I started researching and learning about how to actually write a screenplay or how to write a book. And then I was like, oh, wow. It ruins it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I don't know anything. But because I had, you know, these these documents, essentially, it's a lot easier to edit something than it is to, like, create net new content. So, yeah, I just muddled through, basically. And and I'm always learning. I mean, as you know, with, with writing particularly, you're always learning. So it's not something that, you know, you just, you do, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, boom, I'm a great screenwriter now. It's, like, constantly evolving. Yeah, absolutely. So that doesn't, I don't think that, I don't think that answers the question of how did I break <laughs> into it, per se. Oh, just how you, break- how you had a passion, so... Yeah. yeah, no, it was, I mean, and you know, this notion of like breaking into something, I've been writing professionally now for over a decade and it's, oh gosh, it's, it, you know, it's it's a long slog and people are like overnight success and you're like, yeah, the overnight success that look, that took over a decade, sure, <laughs> let's, let's run with that. Yes, I see many, many stories of those. But yeah, I uh, hear what you're saying because when I had story ideas and felt creative and inspired and, uh, you know, wrote them down and things and then when I started a writing degree I just feel that really shackled me a bit actually and now it's hard to just sit down and sort of free flow without all these sort of rules and regulations coming into place and not higher power but ways of doing things sort of locking in the writing which yeah killed it a little bit for me I think. 100% yeah and it's still something I struggle with a little bit sometimes like starting a new project because I know how much work is going to go into it and I know how I know where the struggles are and so you have to be you know I have to be really ready to start something new yeah knowing how long it's going to take and knowing how many rewrites it's going to be you've got a you know a very strong constitution shall we say yeah like push against that procrastination (laughs) totally totally yeah well, today's topic is on that word you hate, breaking into screenwriting. Um, <laughs> so I think that term just comes around as in, you know, someone's maybe got an idea for a screenplay or they've written one or had a bash at writing one. And it's kind of like, is there steps that they should take to get into the industry? Yeah. Uh, wh- what should they do with their sure. screenplay? type of thing so I suppose I've always heard with the screenwriting and I have to say with anything especially in Australia it's who you know so do you have to be in in the networking space to meet these people who you know to get you into the screenwriting sphere or is it just a case of having written something that's amazing and you've either secured an agent or going down somewhere or is it all of the above Mm -hmm. sure look there are obviously exceptions to every rule but I would say it's it's a bit of all of the above with screen writing particularly okay the difference between writing screenplays and writing novels is when you write a novel what you have written is the finished product okay so that you know assuming you're lucky enough to get published that thing that you have written it's yours like it's it's all you whereas a screenplay unless you're a writer director or I mean even if you are a writer director if you're a screenwriter that is it's a roadmap for someone else to bring that to life and so 100% you are incredibly reliant on other people to bring that story to life so you couldn't just write a screenplay and then like self-publish the screenplay kind of thing I mean, I mean you could but then it's not a 
film, you know. So the biggest difference between that is, yes, in screenwriting, 100% you have to have like a community and you have to know other people and you have, yes, you have to know the right sorts of people to to get noticed. Now, there are different ways of doing that, of course. Uh, You absolutely can write a shit hot screenplay and have like a producer read it and you could be catapulted to overnight success that way. You could enter it into a competition and and get catapulted to success that way. <laughs> um, the same token, you could write a shit hot screenplay and if the right person doesn't read it, then it's not going to go anywhere. Okay. And unless you're also the filmmaker who's going to bring that to life, but I'm, I'm not that I'm not a filmmaker. So yeah. So I, I very much rely on other people to take my screenplays to, you know, producers and directors and that sort of thing. Mm. So when you write a screenplay, what what's the process you go through? Do you have an agent or do you have someone to bounce ideas off? Do you find the right person for it? And then it's what happens after that? Yeah, so so when I was starting out, I would just write things that I wanted to write that I was incredibly passionate about. Because again, I mean, if you know any any of the listeners out there, if you've written novels or anything really, you know that it it's not a one and done thing. Like you kind of write something, you're like, cool, that's done. I can move on to the next thing. So you know, a screenplay on average in Australia, a screenplay takes from inception to production about seven years. That's kind of the average time. Gosh, that's worse than publishing. <laughs> yeah, right. I know. I know. But but that's also because there are so many other depths involved in creating a film, right? There are so many people involved in it. Sorry, when I was just starting out, I just wrote what I wanted to write because like at, at that point, like really you're learning how to write a screenplay because the structure is very different. Um, you're learning the mechanics of it and you're also learning how to tell a story for the screen. So you want to do something that you know that you can rewrite 50 million times. Since you know, I've I've had a little bit of success with my screenwriting. I now get people sort of coming to me and asking me to write certain stories that are not necessarily my creation. So, you know, it can it can range from someone being like, I've got like a kernel of an idea. Can you like turn that into a story for me? To I've got this kind of like quite developed three act structure, or I've got this like or I've got this like quite developed TV show. Can you help me turn that into something that will translate to the screen properly? So I I would. I say these days I'm probably doing like 50% of my own stuff and 50% work that has been sort of other people's ideas. Mm, yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And who, so who are these right people you need to be around? Is it, uh, <laughs> is it directors? Is it producers? I don't know. There's, is it the, the doorman? So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, it could be the doorman. The doorman yeah. could be like so-and-so, you know, Steven Spielberg cousin or something. <laughs> yeah, um, producers are really, really useful to know because producers are the people that will make the film happen, okay? So they're the ones who will get the money, who have the relationships with the funding bodies, who who essentially are building this beast, you know? Uh, so producers are very, very handy. Getting to know, like, really good producers is incredibly useful and it can be quite hard work and also you just you don't want to be that person who is like annoying yeah (laughs) so you kind of you just want to be a bit cool as well so it's like you know I find I meet people and if I get along with them then I will happily think about working on projects with them but you know I've got producers that I've known for years and years and years that I'm only just starting to like we're only just starting to talk about working on projects together you know because we just we know that we're a good fit and that we can we can work on that directors as well like if you can have a director attached to your project that's also really good obviously a, a director with more experience 
experience is it's a better draw card, similarly with producers. Um, and then the other piece, you know, there are other two other pieces of the puzzle. One of them is like the money side and then the other one is like the actor side. So if you are Chris Hemsworth's cousin and you can get Chris Hemsworth signed onto your project, you have a much better chance of getting it greenlit for production, which means people will give money to get the film made. So I would say more so in screenwriting than books, it is it is a lot of who you know. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, even I, I really just think across the board it is like that in Australia. Even for yeah. jobs I've gone from, it's it, 100%, more, it, it just feels 100%. that way, doesn't it? So, but so- Saying all of this, you still need to be a really good screenwriter and you need to be a really good person to work with. So with screenwriting particularly, because it's such a collaborative effort, you don't want to be that person who's like super precious about your ideas and refuses to change anything because you will, again, more so than in novels, you will have to change things depending on what the director wants, what the producer wants, what the investors want, and then what the actor wants. Mm. So, you know, it's this kind of weird thing where for this at the start of the project, I'm like literally the most important person in in (laughs) a film, you know, because I'm the one creating this story. And then at a certain point, there's this like weird tipping point where all of a sudden the writer becomes like literally the least important person in the room. (laughs) And it's a bit like I'm not ashamed to say it's like a little bit of a kind of ego deflation because this thing that you worked so hard on all of a sudden is it it's taken out of your hands and it just, it, it gets this life of its own basically. And it's, you know, there's like, there's going to be 50 people working on this story or maybe more. And so all of a sudden you're like, Oh wow. That, that thing that I spent X number of years (laughs) working on is just like that. uh, I don't even know what's happening with it anymore. So it's, it's, it is a peculiar feeling, but Mm. it's also really exciting because like, you know, it's, it's just cool to think that so many people are, are working to bring your story to life. Yeah. I was just going to say, is that why you got into books so you can hang on to what you said? Yeah. <laughs> it's beginning to end. Um, uh, well, I actually had my books sort of published early. Like I, I sort of wrote books first because it felt a little bit more, I was dabbling in screenwriting, but the books felt a little bit more manageable because it was just me. Like you can just sit down and write a book by yourself kind of thing. I mean, obviously you can sit down and write a screenplay by yourself, but yeah, the books also sort of felt like a bigger challenge because, you know, there's a lot more words. Mm. So I sort of thought, let's, let's do this one first, but then yeah that's why I do like having both of those avenues because it is quite nice having something that's like mine even though even even though there are so many people involved in getting a book published as well but it's not quite as many as a film it's also with the book form I suppose that you can be a bit more descriptive and and all that totally yeah I did a couple of um units at uni and uh like to do with feature films and stuff like that and when the guy was sort of reading my script he said are you he said are you a, a, like a book writer yeah. or something like he was <laughs> like you use flower this flowery language has got to go and I was just like oh, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah I think that's that's definitely one of the hard things for novelists who start writing screenplays because again the screenplay is a roadmap for the director and none of those words on the page are going to apart from the dialogue obviously none of the beautiful flowery language is going to make it onto the screen yeah so it's I mean it it is more than any that's a very kill your darlings kind of thing like I actually write the first draft of my screenplays with 
to be honest, like a bit of flowery language in them just because I, I enjoy doing that. But it does, it always gets stripped out. Yeah. Is, it, are you, is, it, is it a big no-no to not have director notes in there, but say like you're writing it, I guess, how you see it in your head from a certain angle? Is mm. that frowned upon or would that just get yeah, taken out so, anyway? <laughs> yeah, so you don't, you don't want to, you know, you know, you don't want every scene to start with, you know, the camera flies in and close mm. up on, <laughs> you know, the hybrid writer's face as she sits <laughs> and talks into a microphone. Like you don't want to do that level of direction, but you definitely want, you want to get, it's more like getting the vibe across. Like, you know, if if we were doing, if, if this was kind of like a romantic comedy, for example, like you'd, you'd describe it in one way, whereas if it was like a horror or a thriller, you'd kind of describe it in a different way, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely a no-no to tell directors what they're doing. I work, so for this film that we're shooting a bit later, I'm working very closely with the directors. And so I have put some camera directions and stuff in there, but that's working in tandem with them. Yeah. yeah. So maybe maybe if they ask for it, but. <laughs> yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. And also, yeah. And also, you know, if you're a writer director, obviously then you can put that in as well. But generally speaking, as a writer, people don't like it so much when you really dictate exactly how every camera angle has to be. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. That is, that is literally their job, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's it. So don't be too precious about it. Yes. What are some of the not-to-be-missed events like across the globe and in Australia that you circulate in or, you know, newbie screenwriters or people looking to get into the industry yeah. to be around to network, I suppose. What are some of the yeah. ones that shouldn't be missed? So in Australia, each state has a screen funding body. In Western Australia, they're called Screen West. In Victoria, they're called Screen Vic or Vic Screen. I think they had a brand change recently. Screen New South Wales, Screen Queen, you know, da 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 So every state has its own screen funding body that run events. So I would definitely sign up to the newsletter of whichever state you're in. There's also a national screen funding body called Screen Australia. So get involved with them. The There's usually, you know, a few events a year in, in Western Australia particularly. And that's a really great way to get out there and meet, you know, local filmmakers, producers, directors, all that sort of thing. In terms of globally, I mean, it depends where you want to make films, to be honest. So I lived in LA for a while and there's, you know, there is a screen event every day of the week on over there because LA is the land built on stories. The hub. <laughs> um, and, and, and again, it's, it, but again, it's like, there's this really fine balance between networking and actually doing the work. Okay. So Yes, you do have to network, but you have to be able to back it up with doing the work. So it's you don't want to be out at events every single night and and spruiking yourself and being like, yeah, yeah, I'm amazing. And then someone's <laughs> like, great, well, can you actually deliver? And because you've been out at up every night, you have no time to actually write the screenplays. So it's choosing which ones you go to, and it it depends very much on what you want to write. It's not like in in bookland. So you know, the for kids books, the Squibby events, like the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators, like that's kind of the go to event that you've got to go to. So is it like um, a, it's it's a mix then? Yeah, yeah. So there's, I mean, Australia definitely has these screen funding bodies, and that's one hundred percent get involved with them. But uh, but over in you know in LA, it's you know there's Australians in film over there. So if you are Australian and you're heading over there, then they're good people to get in touch with. Yeah it's it's just making those connections without being annoying to be honest yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> I love that. What are the conversations yeah. like though? So is it really just going to chat to people about the current film industry and stuff? Not so much talking about you unless you're asked, but you should be prepared when you go there if someone does ask or rather than yes. an annoying would be in your face. Yeah, yes. You want you definitely want to be ready to like pitch a project if you're asked to. Um, and it also depends on what the the expectations that you've set. So if I have said to someone, if I've emailed them and said, "Hey, I'm friends with so and so," again, it's like you get the connections. I'm friends with so and so. Are you free to catch up for a coffee just to have a general chat? Then I would not turn up to that meeting with four projects and just pitch them bam, 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 bam. I would wait for the person to be like, "So what are you working on?" And I'd be like, "Oh, well, I've got this and this and this." And you know, and often people will be like, "Oh, cool." Well, well, I know someone who might be a good fit for that. So let me intro you to that person and and that sort of thing. So it's it's definitely being prepared to talk about yourself, but not not going into it thinking you have to sell yourself. It's a, it's a really fine line, you know, and just and honestly, just being able to read the room a little bit like often, you know, I'll have coffees with someone and I can tell that they don't want to be there, but they're just doing a favor from someone else. And so I'll just spend the whole coffee talking about their dog because that's what they want to talk about and that's the kind of fun thing to do and then you know and then like proper pitching is a whole different kettle of fish where you will literally you know you'll walk into a room and someone will be like right what do you got for me and you're just like you're just into it like there is no small talk you're just straight into it kind of thing and and again like that's a whole weird kind of like ah can't we talk about the weather first let's break the ice yeah, yeah, seriously, seriously. But in itself, yeah. there's a lot of those events around, is there, for pitching to people in the industry? Like, specifically, that's what you go there for, not for the yes. chit-chat, but... Yeah, yeah. So in so if you're going to LA, so you would definitely want to have um, a bunch of projects under your belt that have been like like vetted by other people. So it's not just like you've written three screenplays and you think they're terrific. Like you definitely want people who know to read them and be like, okay, I think these are ready to go. And then yes, you use every single connection in your arsenal to <laughs> see if you can get coffees with people. I mean, if you can get coffees with or cocktails with anyone who works at like a studio or an agency, then that's that's awesome. And you just, yeah, you just kind of go and you see where it takes you. I mean, you know, often you can actually say to people, I've got this project that I think might be a good fit. Can I come and tell you about it? And in that case, yes, 100%, they will be expecting to hear about that project. But, the, you know, I've, I have found my experience with LA is that people are actually really, really helpful. And people do want to connect you with other people, particularly if you're not like, as I said, a really annoying person because everyone wants to make great content, you know? So if you do genuinely have a really great story, then a hundred percent people want to discover you and and get your story out there. Have you found it's the same here in Australia? Like everyone's quite forthcoming and forthgiving. It's, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a little different here just because the industry is not as big. And I, I I will admit the difference I found a little bit between Australia and LA is Australia is like a, people hold stuff a little closer to their chest. It can sometimes be a bit harder f- to get someone to connect you to, you know, that person because they're kind of like, but if I connect you, then that means I won't get that mm, connection yeah. because there's only, you know, 10 feature films get made a year or something like that. So I try, I'm sure I don't succeed, but I do try to be like generous with, with, with my time and connections if I think the person's a good fit. But again, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to connect someone that I don't think will be a good fit. Oh yeah. Cause you know, that's 
comes back to you I suppose maybe yeah. they call you and yeah. be like Catherine yeah. who's this person well and it, but it might not it might not even be personal either it might yeah. be like so you come to me and you're like I've got this amazing horror project can you connect me with your producer and I'm like well my producer doesn't do horror so there is no point making that connection yeah. Yeah. but I would totally ask them if they knew anyone who did horror you know? Mm, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, we've shared so much already, Catherine, but do you have any um, burning tips that for people who, you know, want to break into screenwriting or circulating around anything at all? I mean, it, it's probably the same tip everyone gets, but just keep on bashing away at your craft. You will get better and better each day. Yeah, it's, it's something that you will continually learn um, and grow and develop. And, you know, I thought three years ago when I I was getting development funding and stuff. I was like, oh my God, this is great. I'm I'm like, I'm like a really good screenwriter now. And then now, three years later, I look back at the stuff I wrote then. And I was like, wow, like it was fine, but I'm so much better now. So yeah. just keep bashing away at your craft. Start like dipping your toe into networking events. You don't have to go all in all at once, but just like look up your local screen industry and see when their next event is and just go and strike up a conversation with someone. Even, even if it's about their dog, they will probably remember you more if you asked about their dog than if you start pitching them your idea, to be honest. <laughs> oh, gosh, that, that's hilarious. What about um, volunteering and things like that at, say, studios or, or I guess even the events to begin with or not so much? So, yeah, I don't. I don't really know about volunteering at studios. I guess maybe on the East Coast you can do placements and things like that. Probably that would be useful. I've never done that myself. But there are film festivals that you can volunteer at. I don't I don't necessarily know how useful that is. Like if you're wanting to break into screenwriting per se, I don't know that you would mm. necessarily you, – you might. I'm not mm. saying you won't, but I, yeah. for me personally, I think I would – prefer to spend the time honing my craft mm. and then find like one or two kind of really key events that are that are good yeah, and and you know if you do if you do want to make it as a screenwriter overseas you have to be prepared to travel okay like, yeah, yeah. frequently you, and can you reside well surely you must be able to like can you reside in australia but still yeah get, get your work you, across there yeah if you have connections over there yes it's really hard to like break into LA without having boots on the ground so you know I I still try and go over every year at least at least once a year which obviously you know was a bit challenging the last few years but I have I work with a writing partner on a lot of projects and she's based in LA and I have you know a, a really terrific producer over there that I work with and if, if you have an agent in LA then obviously that's their job i I don't. Incredibly challenging to get an agent and it's got to be the right person and at the right point in your career. So, so there's, you know, there's a whole other strategy around that as well. If you, if you have people on the ground there, then yes. Otherwise it's worth definitely factoring into your, your life. I'd say trying to go and live in LA for a chunk of time. If, if you want to work overseas, but if you don't care about working in LA, then there's obviously no point. Yeah. What about like um, pitching to the streaming services and things like that? That's still all kind of agented, isn't it? Yeah. And it's more producers. So really what you kind of want is like a great producer because they will have the connections to the streaming services. Agent, again, yes, if you have a really good agent, but it's tricky. Yeah. And again, Australia and the US is quite different. So Australia, because there's just not as much content that's made here, it is a lot harder to get in front of 
those people yeah. and and you've got to remember they hear oh god 100 pictures a week mm, mm. although Probably. after the pandemic eh, i heard like australia oh, yeah. up there like with the filming yeah, yeah, that's, <laughs> that is true that's true but also after the pandemic like everyone decided they were going to become a writer so oh. now every every person has a script i'm not kidding friends of mine in particularly in la like actors musicians everyone they're all like i have a script i've got these scripts that i've been working on i was like oh man like <laughs> i'm the script writer you were the actor like come yeah. on oh god that's hilarious have so you heard this oh sorry you finish Oh, no, I was going to say it is, it is a very competitive industry. Yep. Yes, yes. I'm finding that across the board with everything, to be honest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have you heard, I heard a while ago, were they supposed to be making a Fox Studios here? Did you hear that or no? Uh, Some sort of big studios was supposed uh, to be. I think that, yeah, there's there's talk of building a studio in WA. I don't, I don't know if it's like Fox or whatever, but there is definitely talk of that happening I think in a couple of years there might be a big studio here but I suppose yes watch this space I don't I don't know too much more except what's been in the press about it yeah no fair enough well please tell us what can we expect from Catherine Lefroy in the future uh you know how's the film going and and everything else yeah um look everything is bubbling along it's I've got another book coming out next year that um yeah, can't can't say anything more about it yet. That's in the works. So that's n- nothing to do with alpacas, though. So no. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> My daughter's going to be disappointed. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah. No, the alpacas. The alpacas have had a lovely run, and that that series is done. But another middle grade book coming out next year. This so the family feature film that I've written, Whale Shark Jack, is. That'll be filming soon. Again, it's just like the dates keep changing based on cast availability and whale shark season and weather and there are just there are a lot of factors so that that is that is happening but I don't know the the exact concrete date still I'm working on a tv show for an Indian production company which is really fun Um, and then I've got a bunch of film projects with a producer in LA um, and another couple of projects with producers here so there's a lot lots of bits and pieces going on that I mean that is the other thing as a screenwriter you definitely want to have many many balls in the air because it, it does take such a long time to get a, uh, a film up and there's absolutely no guarantee that even the best screenplay in the world is going to get turned into a movie so you definitely want to have multiple projects on the go otherwise you will just yeah if it doesn't work out it's it's obviously disappointing so I, I like to have at least four or five projects on the go at the same time so that if three of them fall over there's still one that I can pin some hope on you know <laughs> is that is that like finished manuscript or well finished screenplays out in the wild is that what you mean or like one's already written one's off you're you're in the middle of writing yeah. one's in thought or at different stages yeah, us- yeah usually different stages so you know at the moment I've got I think I've got like three screenplays that are sort of done that are just kind of waiting on like the next stage of you know whatever that production journey is Um, and I've got about two or three that I'm working on with my writing partner in LA and then another couple that you know are just in kind of ideas stage that I'm like oh that's definitely you know a film rather than a book so that's th- those ones are just like bubbling along in the background mm, well that all sounds fantastic and we can't wait for the, everything to emerge and for oh, thank to you. enjoy well, it <laughs> right 
Thanks. But, me too. Gosh. But for now, can you tell our listeners where they can discover your books and everything you do, you know, either in stores or online? Yeah. Uh, well, I think you can buy the books pretty much anywhere where good books are sold. So my middle grade series is the Alex and the Alpaca series. Alex and the Alpacas Save the World and Alex and the Alpacas Write Again, available from any good bookstore uh, <laughs> or online or Kindle or, you know, whatever e-reader you is your choice. Film projects, it's, it's a little bit watch this space at this stage. We will wait and see when I'm not the producer on them. Sometimes I don't know what's going on. <laughs> so, so watch this space. But if you do see advertising next year sometime on like the sides of buses about a, a movie about whale sharks, then that is the one I have written. Oh, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time and expertise, Catherine. It's been fantastic. Pleasure. A delight. So there you have it, folks. The sassy, sophisticated screenwriting shares from our very own Catherine Lefroy. Both my kids and I adore Catherine's work. So if you aren't familiar, go check out her books and watch out for her family feature film coming soon. Next time on the Hybrid Author Podcast, we have Nat A. Moore and Kathy Tasker chatting to us on presenting to kids. I wish you well in your author adventure this next week. That's it from me. Bye for now. That's the end for now, authors. I hope you're further forward in your author adventure after listening, and I hope you'll listen next time. Remember to head on over to the Hybrid Author website at www.hybridauthor.com.au to get your free author pass. It's bye for now.